and this is the Demented Files. guys this is julie hey it's raquel and we're back today we're going to be talking about a couple of true crime right you got some true crime today yes i do yeah. second so do I. podcast i know so do <laughs> i and it's i think it's, it's yours is your case dark it is mine is freaking dark as hell it's, like the batman movie oh my god yeah i saw <laughs> that last night let me tell you i I was not expecting to. I kept checking my watch. I'm like, it's not over. And like, looking again, it's another hour. I'm like, why is this movie not over yet? So be aware that it's a very long movie. It's kind of nice when you're home and you can press the button to see how much time you have left. Yeah. And it was a good thing I was dehydrated because I was eating a lot of buttered popcorn and like there was a lot of soda, but like I didn't have to pee at all. Well, that's good. See, I would have went five times. Yeah. Like, well, Tom, like he. He was eating all the popcorn. Yeah. He wouldn't stop. I literally had to stop him. I was like, you're going to feel like shit. I was like, stop. You need to stop eating all the popcorn. I'm going to roll you out of here. He was literally like, eat, eat, eat. Like for like, I think like an hour and a half. He would not. He would not stop eating popcorn. He was just going at it crazy. So, but yeah, no, it was very depressing. (laughs) And your hands are so small that you can only grab so much. Well, I grabbed like... Like one one kernel at a time to taste the butter, you know? Oh, you so taste you were the being butter. modest. Yes. Okay. I was like one at a time, you know, butter. Or like three at a time, but like eat one at one. At, I don't know, like an old lady. Because, you know, those kernels get in your gums. It sucks. Yeah, I know. I have braces, so yeah. I definitely Oh, God, understand. yeah. That's freaking tedious as hell. Do you even eat popcorn? I do, and I'm not no. supposed to, but oh. YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god when do your braces come off i don't know my orthodontist said like six months but he said that six months ago so oh, okay i paid him off so whoop, oh, okay. at least they're paid off well but... they look pretty straight already oh so. yeah i was watching videos last night of my teeth and my teeth were so freaking crooked and i and i looked at the videos and i was like i had a lot of nerve opening my mouth mm. Like I, <laughs> <laughs> that's like me. Look at my teeth. I no, you have nice teeth. No, I don't. Did look at it. That is one tooth. Ah, no. They're like crooked. Don't listen to her, guys. Both, her teeth are fine. Both of my teeth used to be like this. They used to stick out like jagged edges. It was horrendous. Oh, so you had a uh, what? Like um, mammoth teeth. Yeah, yeah. I had mammoth teeth with my little tiny baby hands. <laughs> But yeah, so how are you doing? I'm good. I am good. I am here. I am energized. I had nice. my Starbucks. I have some mango Arizona. So I'm ready to go. See, that's why we get along because you came over and I was like, what do you want to drink? And I was like, I got mango Arizona. And you were like, fuck yeah, give me some Hell mango yeah. Arizona. Hell so, yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm all right. You know, hanging in there. Um, very excited to do this podcast. Yes. And like, it was very it's different listening to podcasts about true crime, I think, and doing your own research. That research was scary. Like, Tedious. Oh, my God. And it wasn't even just that. Like, I I was done. If you hear that little pitter-patter, it's my dog. That's on our the boy. Ground. Yeah, and he's just going to kind of walk around and do his thing because the world revolves around his little booty. So he's just going to do whatever he wants. Um, he doesn't bark or anything, though, but you'll hear a little clack, clack, clacks. He's on the couch now. And uh, hopefully he stays there. But anyway, yeah, what was I talking about? 
the oh the research yes yeah. so basically like when i turned i was researching so late at night last night i i went to sleep like at two something jesus and because i i forgot i didn't forget i just didn't have time the rest of the week like i tried yeah i started i think on tuesday i was yeah. like okay i'm gonna get down i'm gonna do some research and when it came down to it i just didn't have time the other days and of course i'm like Oh, I'll finish on Friday after Batman. It'll be fine. And then Batman was four hours. Yeah, and then Batman was like, <laughs> uh, you're not going anywhere or finishing nothing. So I came home, ate a Chick-fil-A sandwich. Ooh. And because we were right, like, yeah. you know, in, in North Haven. And like, oh, my God, I came home and I was like, okay, Tom, like, he's just, he went to sleep. That's my boyfriend, by the way. And he, he went to sleep and I stayed up. But when I turned off the lights, I was felt like, like he was there. I was like. This dude is right behind me. Right. I was like, his ghost is right behind me. Hell yeah. So let's talk about who we're speaking about. and Let's who dive I'm, in. Yeah, who I'm haunted by. I am uh, going to do this case because I am going to be, I'm so surprised. And you guys are probably going to be too. But Ra- Raquel has not heard of John, John Wayne Gacy. Ever. Holy shit. She's about to get her mind blown. I'm a lame. Now, no, no, no. You're not lame, <laughs> but you're going to be a little scarred. I do want to say trigger warning. Um, it is a very, like, oh, it's, it's a really haunting case. It, it's really disturbing. Okay. So just, uh, just trigger warning again, um, for some violence against youths, especially, uh, boys. Oh God. Okay. So, uh, what are you, uh, gonna discuss today? Um, so I'm actually going to be discussing a case that actually happened here in our home state of Connecticut. Um, oh. And it is a murder um, that happened against a young girl who had just turned 18 and she was murdered by um, some people that she knew. Um Okay. And they were all in the uh, Demas Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services in DCF oh. custody. And they kind of dropped the ball with these kids and oh, it ended no. up with a young girl losing her life. So that's oh, what no. I'm talking about today. A couple dark cases, but... Yeah, this is going to be a dark case. <laughs> spreading awareness. That's what we're yeah. here for. That's- yeah, exactly. We're going to definitely discuss because... I mean, especially with DCF, things like that. Things like that yeah. need to be brought to the light. Yeah. Just and, and people know about, you know. Right. It's, it's definitely a notorious thing. It's like, you think of DCF, it's like, you don't... Nothing good. Yeah, you don't really think of good things. It's it's really unfortunate, actually. Right. So. Right. Um, okay. Let's dive into it. All right. So did you want to go first or how'd you want to do this? Absolutely not. I am so excited <laughs> to hear about your case. And I know you're probably excited to hear about mine too, but oh, I'm going to be selfish and deal with my excitement. I want to hear okay. your case. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's do this. Let's dive in. I uh, I have a good amount of research, so we'll see how I'm, I'm going to try to keep it together. Like, uh, you know, like not, not take too much time. One part. Yeah. Yeah. One part because... With him, it's oh you could, my! I mean, there's books, there's documentaries, there's movies and on I this guy. I missed them all. <laughs> I missed them all, and I'm like a true crime fanatic, and oh I missed all of them. Well, I definitely think you should. Uh, well, maybe not. Maybe you're just gonna hear this and never want to hear about him again, which is understandable. And if you heard that, that's my cat jumping over the doggy gate. He has heavy feet. <laughs> Lord. Yep. All right, so like I said, we are going to be discussing fucking John Wayne Gacy today, the killer clown. All right, if you're afraid of clowns, 
this clown is definitely going to uh, make you be more afraid of clowns. <laughs> you're not even going to be, you want to go to the circus. You're not, well, are circus even a thing anymore? I don't think so. But clowns are. So just, uh, this is the most scariest clown you're going to hear about. <laughs> okay. I think circuses are a dying art. Just, yeah, yeah, just they are. That. They are. Definitely the, the animal portion <laughs> yeah. of it. They're like, fucking get out of here yeah. with, your, with your dumb shit. But anyway, all right, so... He was born John Wayne Gacy, uh, let me see. He was born to John Wayne Gacy Sr. and Marion Elaine Robinson on March 17, 1942. So that was a long time ago. Okay. Um, in Chicago, Illinois, he had two sisters named Karen and Joanne Gacy. <laughs> Karen had has mentioned actually that her and John Wayne Gacy were actually best friends while they were growing up. Gacy was of Polish and Danish ancestry, and his family was, like, they were Catholics. Uh, the issue in the Gacy household did start early. Well, the issues. I'm over here, like, my contacts are, like, blurring up, up, my, up, blurring up on me, and I can't freaking see. But anyways, the issues in the Gacy household did start early. Gacy had some interest that, especially back, like, in the 40s, you know, they weren't very typical for a boy to be into. He was in such things like gardening, cooking, baking. And back then, those mm. things were, like, only women mm. were supposedly interested in, in those things. Mm -hmm. His father, of course, was not very happy about this and often went after his son because of this. Gacy Sr. was also known for having a temper and was a drunk. So he would often, you know, verbally abuse Gacy. And he wasn't only abusive with his son, he was abusive with his whole family. They also treated, uh, treaded lightly around him, especially when he drank because he was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. But Gacy Jr. Uh, does seem to have received the brunt of it. He so was, it was physical abuse or it was... Yeah, yeah. It was both. It was all of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. He okay. was just a drunk and he was scary. An asshole. His whole family kind of walked on eggshells okay. around him, especially, you know, when, when Gacy... Uh, mm -hmm. I'm going to be calling him Gacy Jr. just because his name is so long. Yeah. John Gacy. <laughs> yeah. There's three names. So I'm going to be calling, you know, Gacy Sr., his father, and Gacy Jr., which is okay. this guy. Um, all right. So... He would call him, you know, Gacy Sr. would call him such thing as like sissy and mama's boy because his mother would defend him when his father would start insulting him hmm. or try to berate him and everything. He would uh, be called dumb, stupid. He would also tell him, oh, super offensive right now. It's he would say that he was probably going to grow up queer. So it was like just because he was like a mama's boy, he was into these things. You're probably going to be gay because you like yeah. to garden and bake and you love your mother. <laughs> you love your mother. So yeah, you exactly. are a raging homosexual. That's crazy. <laughs> That's crazy. It's like, that's, oh, my God. I'm so glad things have moved so far along. And even now, like things are still like that, you know, in yeah, some know. places. It's just insane. Remember what I told you about my, my grandmother disowned yeah. me because she said I was gay. And I'm like, but grandma, I'm not gay. And here we are like six years later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and th not not that there's anything wrong with right. being gay. It's like, what the hell? This is the weirdest shit. Yeah. Anyways, I can't imagine the how much more serious that was back in the right. 40s. It's like, yeah. you know, oh, God. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, and according to, to, let me see, his sister is quoted saying, John felt like he never lived up to dad's expectations. And this went on all the way into his adulthood until he married and had a son and a daughter. So, mm -hmm. he still loved his father, but 
he just never felt good enough. Mm-hmm. According to Wikipedia, Gacy Jr. did also deal with some sexual abuse by a family member around 1949. Oh, no. Yeah, of course, he would. He could never tell his father. I can't imagine how that would have went in oh, that wow. household. <laughs> and he was only like seven if he was born in 42. Yeah, 42. 42. yeah he was little. Ugh. Actually, the same year, Gacy Jr. ended up repeating what happened to him with the sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. And he... Uh, and another boy ended up getting caught sexually assaulting a young girl. Mm. His father did find out about this and punish him severely by whipping him with a razor strap, which is like, I guess it's like um, some kind of material they use to like sharpen like razors to like shave. Mm. So it's like, like a leather. Like leather. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's It sounds brutal Sheesh. and painful. So when it comes to illnesses, Gacy Jr. did have a good number of issues growing up. He did have a heart condition, so he was told to avoid sport sport activities. When he was 11, he also suffered from a head injury near a swing set. He developed a blood clot that wasn't discovered until he was around 16 years old. Mm. During that time, before the clot was discovered, he suffered from blackouts. They were able to get rid of the clot with medication. He suffered from an erupted appendix and seizures as well. Interestingly, Interestingly enough, even though he suffered so much trauma to his brain, when they did autopsies on his brain, they couldn't locate any neurological impairments. He spent almost a year in the hospital between the ages of 14 and 18. Wow. Yeah. Of course, his father, being father of the century, even began accusing Gacy Jr. of having some of these medical issues because he was trying to gain sympathy and attention. His father was so abusive, he would even hit and verbally assault Gacy Jr. in front of his friends. Mm. Yeah, he was great. It is believed that Gacy Jr. did struggle with his sexual identity very early on, and he had to live up to his father's expectations of marrying a woman, having children, successful job. Wow. You know, he was like trying to always impress his father, no matter how much At anyone's expense, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, let's see, at the age of 18, Gacy Jr. became involved in politics. He worked as an assistant uh, precinct captain for a Democratic Party candidate. He kind of kept that up in his life. Like, he always had some kind of political affiliation, always worked in some kind of, uh, like, in the Democratic Party. And his dad actually would tell him that he was a patsy for this, which basically means he's a person who is easily taken advantage of. For working in politics or for being in the yeah. democratic, um, they don't go that. Not that I went to that that, that kind of detail, but huh. it's yeah. Like I don't know, maybe his father had a, I don't know pro. But weren't weren't women weren't even allowed in um, politics back then? Mm-hmm. Like weren't I think that was the time women were not allowed to vote, right? I'm not in sure in that era. When that so interesting. His father is just a jerk. Then yeah, yeah. <laughs> so even though Gacy. Junior was 18, and especially back then, when mm-hmm. you're 18, you're like an adult. You yeah, got your man. own, you, you got everything going. Right. Uh, you have to, like, provide for a family mm-hmm. and have kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was a lot more uh, faster to be an adult. Mm-hmm. Anyways, his father still tried to control him around then many in, with many things in his life. Apparently, he bought Gacy Jr. a car. He would take the keys away from him, and he would make him pay for the car. So he bought it, but then he would receive payments from him. Which, you know, it took him years to pay mm-hmm. that car off. Mm-hmm. Gacy Jr. ended up having too much, uh, let me see, too much of it one time. He just ended up making copies of the car keys. He was like, fuck it. I'm just going to mm-hmm. get car. I'm going right. to sneak around and take my car. And his father just, he was like, 
no nonsense. He ended up taking the distributor cap off the car, so uh, Gacy Jr. could couldn't use it at all. And I was like, "What the hell is a distributor right. cap?" <laughs> it's apparently a piece of like that routes voltage currents from the ignition coils to the spark plugs. So he can't turn oh, it on at all. Oh shoot! Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, he just like damn. What? His dad was a nut. Yeah, he was definitely not a not. I mean, an alcohol just. It's like when you're a violent person and then you get drunk all the time. I feel like it's just, you're just violent it's drunk. It's a bad mix. It's yeah. not a good mix. No. Absolutely. So Casey finally got the car back, you know, after his punishment and everything. And he decided, fuck it. I'm going to run away to Las Vegas. Or La- Las Vegas. How do you say that? I, I always got my, my Spanish Is accent in there. Is it Las Vegas? Las or Vegas. It's Las Vegas, right? Las See, now, now I'm thinking about it too hard. Anyway, <laughs> Vegas. He ended up running away to Vegas where he worked for an ambulance service as well as a mortuary. He literally slept on a cot behind the embalming room. Oh, God. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. Jesus. <laughs> he worked in the mortuary for about three months. And hear this. This is going to be one of the first kind of... Uh, he started fucking the bodies. Well, no, but oh. uh, it's still <laughs> like... it. It's... Just disturbing. Oh, God. He did confess to climbing into a coffin that had a deceased deceased teenage boy's body in it. And he hugged and caressed the body, which made him have a sense of shock for what he was doing. So I can't imagine that kind of shock. That's like, oh, shit. All right. He probably saw himself in that boy. And he's like, you know, he probably was trying to console that boy as if it was him at that I don't know. Creepy. It's, I don't know what he was doing. Yeah. Like, I don't think he knew what he was doing, but I don't know. Maybe it had something to do with his, like, trauma, his sexuality, like, oh. all that stuff, like, whatever was lingering in his brain. Who knows what he was thinking? Mm. But he ended up calling his mother and asking to come back home, which his father did give the permission for him to come back home. So he did return home and did end up going to college, uh, Northwestern Business College. And, but there's like, I've seen some things about him, like, later getting his, like, uh, uh, GED or something in, in prison. So I'm very confused how his education worked out. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. But as, you, as you'll as you learn, he was a very smooth talker. He knew how to get mm. things done. He was just very manipulative Kinda in that like way. Kind of like Epstein, who didn't have a degree to teach and somehow was a professor or exactly teacher. Yeah. yep okay. yep just like that you're just like how did that yeah, right. well people people got their ways <laughs> so after graduating he had a job at a shoe company he worked for them for a uh under a management trainee position until they transferred him to springfield illinois where he worked as a salesman and then a manager at this time he was 22 years old and he met his first wife marilyn myers who also worked in the same store as him. So they were co-workers. Okay. And after they got married, they ended up moving into her parents' house, which uh, they had the house to themselves as her parents were, they were really wealthy. And they lived in Waterloo, Iowa. Oh, nice. Yeah. Where her father actually had bought some Kentucky Fried Chicken stores. So like the restaurants. So they had KFCs. Yummy. Yeah, I know, right? Unlimited chicken. (laughs) It's a benefit of the marriage. Yeah. It comes as a perk. Tell daddy to send us some fried chicken. (laughs) Oh my God. Could you imagine how long it would take back then to send like something through the mail? It would come on a string with a pigeon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> all of a sudden you see a drumstick drop out of the sky <laughs> oh my god i didn't Here's even think dinner. of it that's funny 
<laughs> so Gacy Jr. and uh, Marilyn did eventually follow her parents down to Waterloo, and Gacy Jr. helped his father-in-law with the KFC stores. He ended up, I think, managing about three of them. Okay. Yeah. So Marilyn gave birth to their first child, Michael, around February 1966. And then the daughter, Christine, in March 1967. So they're about 56, 55 years old around this time right now. They have kept away from the public eye and are very private. There's no clear information about uh, available publicly about them. Rumors are that they're just living a normal life and have their own families. Keep away from all this drama. I think they changed their names, everything. You can't. Good. Yeah. Which is, it's just traumatic for when it comes to like. The family members yeah. are also victims right. because it's like... You carry that. Oh, God. You carry that name. You, I mean, we talked about it with, with Wessons, right. right? It's like, oh, my God. It's freaking horrible. Yeah. I would definitely do the same thing. Just, right. like, keep me out of it. That was my, quote, unquote, father. Not my problem. we are problem. not the same, right? Exactly. So, at the same time that he was managing the KFCs and growing his family, he also joined the local JCs, which I was like, what the hell is a JCs? I don't know anything about all this all this uh, social stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> um so it turns out it's a leadership training and civic organization for people between the ages of 18 and 40 he was very loyal to them and worked hard for the organization he joined in 1964 and by 1965 he was promoted to vice president of the springfield jc's wow yeah he, he worked his ass off apparently okay. like, you know 14 hour days and stuff Jeez. like that sometimes he does say he had a a homosexual experience with the organization, like while he was in it. Uh, one of his colleagues got him very drunk and invited him to spend the evening on his sofa, which he did. And the college colleague apparently performed oral sex on Gacy uh, Jr. while he was drunk. So who knows what happened there. But there seemed to be a lot of activity going on in these groups of people, of these men. They would all like kind of sit around and watch porn together and do all kinds of things with each other which was interesting because a lot of them had like wives and stuff jc stands for jerk off club (laughs) we're sitting in a circle (laughs) whacking each other no i think that's a circle jerk right that's what that is okay (laughs) i didn't know there was a name yeah yeah Uh, okay so as he climbed both uh of the success ladders within the organization and managing his fa- his uh, father-in-law's businesses, he made his basement area in his home sort of a club where he would invite mm. the employees from the restaurants, from the KFCs, to come over and drink and play pool, you know, hang out, you know, lay back. He was only known to socialize, of course, with the young men that worked for him. Mm. Only inviting young males down to his basement club. Mm. He would give them alcoholic beverages and then attempt sexual advances, of course. Because he, that was always a thing on his mind. Mm. But if they rejected him, he would act as if it was all a joke and simply testing them like it's some kind of a right. test of morals. It's like, oh, I'm just making sure, you know, you're not going you're not on the gay. wrong path. Right. Fuck, fucking out of here. One of his victims that did survive uh, was Donald Voorhees, who Gacy Jr. invited over his house to watch porn with because you know it's like he's a young boy so boys are interested in all this stuff like they sneak around you know wait so i have a question when yeah. he was inviting these first of all he's a businessman he's going through all these different trainings went to college all that stuff he knows you don't 
if you're a district manager, general manager, you said he was managing like three stores, you're not inviting your employees over. Like there's a level of professionalism you're supposed to keep. Uh, So that's one point. My second point is like, was he, was there any information about, was he saying, hey, come over and watch porn with me? Or was he saying, hey, come over? He was, he was saying, come over and watch porn with me. Yeah. And people were accepting that. Yeah. Because they were teenage boys. They're all like 17, 18, you know, 15 year old boys. So it's like. They're just, they're just like having fun and back then like oh. i think it was a little a little more um hard to find maybe? it was definitely hard to find especially for teenagers okay and definitely like per like parental guidance back then it was like you know kids kind of did whatever they wanted like nobody really checked on kids like that it's like oh my kids over at his boss's house they're having some fun like who's gonna he was just such a smooth talker nobody ever suspected him of doing anything off and neither were the kids going to tell the parents, like, hey, I just went to, especially if they had a good time, like, I just went over, you know, my boss's house, got drunk and watched porn and played pool. Like, I don't know. It just, and they kept with each other's lot. pool sticks. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, one of his victims that survived, again, Donald Voorhees, went over to watch porn with him in his little clubhouse in his basement, Gacy Jr., and, uh... He would also lie to the teenage boys that came over to his house once they were there. Tell them that he was part of a scientific study, quote unquote, called the Kinsey Report, which was a study on sexual behaviors of Americans under the age of 35. Mm. He would lie to the young boys and tell them they needed to perform oral sex on another man before having any sexual experiences with a woman. It's insane. That's what I mean. He was a smooth talker. Like he had these boys believe him and actually be part of this it was nuts i could never i'd be like what the fuck are you talking about like kids nowadays kids yeah kids nowadays would not they're like prove it google i'm gonna google this shit okay right i remember you know what's funny when i lived in norwalk there was actually a guy and he was like had a nice car like business um like a tie like like you know classy like you know nice suit Used to drive around in the South Norwalk area, and he would just roll down his window to other men. I'll pay you to suck my dick. What? Yeah, it was so weird. I was like, why he never asked me? Not that I would, but well, well you say he was doing it for men, right? Men. Oh, so okay. I'm he like, was, okay, this guy is low key. Yeah, yeah, but he didn't present himself. As you know, sometimes you can tell. You know what I mean in the way they carry them in the way they carry themselves. Yeah. And he, like, he wouldn't, if I had met him outside of him riding around trying to get his dick sucked, I would have never known that he was scared. So, how did you find out about it? Like, was there, like, an article or something? Or no, just... I used, I've seen him. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. You're just, like, minding your business. You're walking around on your phone. Right. Texting, sending some hey, emojis. and it's like suck my dick? <laughs> <laughs> all right sorry getting distracted moving no, on that's okay well anyways this maybe he, he just he's like john wayne gacy but like john wayne gacy was able to hide a lot of what he was doing yeah so the first actual victim was edward lynch uh, who was a fry cook gacy jr did um awful things to this boy he raped him and even shackled him to a bed oh. he would choke him and edward would would pass out and regain consciousness just to be pat you know he would make him pass out again either from sexual assault or being choked oh my god yeah yeah it's gonna get a little graphic i i definitely didn't go really deep into it because i don't i, I just think it's too nitty-gritty it's right way too yeah like if you want to look that into that stuff i'm sure people have seen the docs um if you haven't heard about it you can go ahead and 
read on it and like yeah there's a lot a lot more than than what i'm gonna offer today mm-hmm. it's gonna be mm-hmm. shocking enough you're just gonna for me i was like all right this is enough right yeah. it's too much Casey Jr. ended up getting caught after Donald Voorhees told his father what happened at his, uh, and his father went to the police. So he told him what what happened in in, uh, Casey's basement. Mm -hmm. And of course, Casey Jr. denied everything. He even said he'd take a polygraph test, which results actually proved that he was nervous when it came down to the accusations against him. Mm. He did plead guilty to sodomy charges in 1968 (gasps) and did end up getting uh, sentenced to 10 years at the Iowa State Reformatory for Men in 1968. And of course, that wouldn't last. He was released early on good behavior after only serving 18 months, getting out in 1970. He was to be on probation for 12 months. Yeah. So he got sentenced to 10 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And didn't even meet even a third of that and then got less probation time than... So, and this is the same as, like, nowadays. I feel like sexual assault has just never been taken seriously. No, it's not. Like, when I heard 10 years, I got excited because yeah. that is unheard of mm-hmm. these days. Mm-hmm. And it's it's still... That's yeah. terrible. It was it's terrible. fucking awful. It's like, you know, nobody, nobody takes this seriously until it's too late. Right. Until it's too late. If they would have just kept them in there... Yes, you know, who knows what would have happened. How many like, victims would have been spared within that 10-year frame of time? Exactly. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, when he was sentenced, his wife did file for divorce. <laughs> she was like, fuck this. And she was granted sole custody of their children as well. He would never see his ex-wife or children again after that. Good. She was like, fuck you. No, for real. Fuck everything that has to do with you. I want nothing to do with you. I don't want my kids to be near you. I would mm-hmm. not. I would be the same way. Right. Hell no. Get the hell away no. from me. Get the hell away from my family. I can't imagine her parents too. Right. Oh my God. They let him in the house. Daddy's little girl. Oh my God. They probably had a name being that they were affluent. You know, they had money. They yeah. owned businesses yeah. that probably could have dragged them through oh the mud too. Oh yeah. That's a like bad reputation. Were, right. Like Raping little boys in, in, in the family home. Like, oh my ugh. God. Yeah. Yeah. So... And the reason he got out so quick is because, like I said, he's a smooth talker. Yeah. He was, he's very good with organizing mm. and he did a lot of things in the prison to make it better for the prisoners. He made it, he joined a JC, there was a JC's club in the prison. Oh God, we know what they were doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even think of that. You know what they it's, were doing. Oh my God, it's the per- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't so, drop the soap. <laughs> no, they want, he wanted to drop Please the soap. drop the soap. He, he was like please drop soap for me you have to drop the soap in order to be with a woman (laughs) (laughs) you gotta try dropping the soap first pretend i'm a woman no wait no 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 you got i'm a man but yeah pretend i'm a woman afterwards the soap will make it all better it's crazy (laughs) part of his parole was to move back with his mother in chicago illinois his father actually had died while he was in prison from cirrhosis of the liver he ended up uh, taking a job as a cook. So he never even went to his father's like funeral or anything. He wanted to, but he was denied. You know, like they were like, they didn't let him out of prison, which is interesting to me. Cause it's like, if he got let out on such good behavior, like why, why wouldn't you let him go to yeah. his dad's funeral? Yeah. It was really weird, but who knows why the prison system does what right. they do. <laughs> Seriously. By February, 1971, he was charged again with sexually assaulting another teenage boy. He lured him into his car at a Greyhound bus terminal 
The court ended up dismissing the charges after the boy failed to appear. What? Yeah. And in June, same scenario happened again with another teenage boy. He was charged with aggravated sexual battery and reckless conduct this Dude. time for flashing a sheriff's, sheriff's badge and luring the boy into his car, forcing him to perform oral sex on him. But again, he got away with it after the boy tried to blackmail Gacy Jr., and by October 1971, Gacy Jr.'s parole ended and his pre- previous criminal convictions were sealed. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Tell me about it. It's, it's ridiculous. Like, like, these are not raising flags to people. I don't understand. Like, one no. accusation, all right, maybe we'll look past it. But multiple of the same type of accusations, like, mm-hmm. come on, this guy is fucking raping little boys like it's it's not it's not a coincidence that he's now been accused in a few different states right and i i'm all about what is what is it innocent until proven guilty for sure but like when there's a pattern went to prison for this right and it's like you don't believe these boys and they're so ashamed especially back then scared too yeah and scared and it's like scared there should be more looking into this right how much more could have been avoided like right, right there those two charges could have put him in prison for another 20 years right. or something because what the hell get get him off the street right and the fact that these boys spoke up because you know they have the man box theory where a man cannot be sexually abused oh my god a yeah. man cannot be sexually abused and these boys recognized that what happened was wrong and they spoke up and they got shot into the ground and mm-hmm. dismissed after mm-hmm. their dignity and manhood was taken from them yeah it's fucking disgusting it's so gross yeah all right oh my god with the help of his mother june um i was gonna say with the help of his mother junior that made no sense <laughs> with the help of his mother he was able to purchase a house in norwood park and he also began um dating a divorcee called carol hoff who also had two daughters then they ended up getting married a year later in 1972 everyone lived in the house for a while and his mother did move out but like it's like oh my god you're living there with with this like man and you got your daughters there you have no idea after one like, year yeah it was it was quick back then the man with daughters it was quick it was quick back then it's like okay let's get married i like you right yeah yeah <laughs> casey jr was also able to open up his own construction company called pdm construction just oh. painting decorating and maintenance of course he started hiring young boys i was gonna say that is just the breeding ground <laughs> yep. for hot sweaty young oh, men <laughs> and he would try his uh usual slimy ways of getting them to sexually participate with him he was actively raping boys at this time he would often handcuff them when carol started noticing weird stuff happening in the house she confronted gacy jr and he would get angry and tell her it was none of her business like some things she thought were strange were you know seeing the young teenage boys uh that gacy jr would be bringing into their garage finding gay porn and men's wallets and ids yeah and uh yeah their marriage was very short-lived she asked him for a divorce by october 1975 she didn't move out of the house with her kids though until february 1976 but yeah she i feel like oh my god when you see something like that i don't know if i would just leave it you know like i would say something to the cops like i found all these ideas oh so she didn't say anything to the cops no i don't think so like it was never really it was kind of something she mentioned to him it's like Mm. hey you know she was suspicious but i guess she she didn't know of his history 
Yeah, exactly. She back then yeah. there was no like now. It's so easy to do like a Google search and find out about someone. Yeah. I'll you find know? your court records. Right. <laughs> I'll find your next court date. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And um, wow, that's nuts. Mm-hmm. And she had no idea. Had she? I bet in retrospect, she's looking like. Fuck, I dropped the ball. Oh my god. Yeah. I could have saved some of these people. Yeah, you can't blame mm. yourself. You no. Because you never not. you're never gonna sit there and think, you know, I'm married a freaking serial killer. Yeah. Serial rapist. A child rapist, Ugh. seriously. So, anyways, because this is how life works, business was booming though. And he was very successful at running the PDM construction while also taking another job as a supervisor for PE systems, which they specialized in remodeling drugstores. Hmm. So he had a membership. Yeah, and uh, he had a membership in a local moose club and found out there was a clown club. So here comes the clown part, which he joined called the Jolly Joker. The members would dress up as clowns and perform at fundraisers, parades, volunteer to perform for children in hospitals. He ended up joining the clown club and creating his own clown characters called Pogo the Clown and Patches the Clown. Pogo was known as a happy clown and Patches, Patches was more of a serious side. Had more of a serious side. He came up with his own makeup, style, and costumes as well. Ugh. So it makes me shiver. You know what? Now that you're saying all of this and I'm you, hearing this story, yeah. I have heard of him. Yeah, of course you have. Yeah, I have. Okay. <laughs> all right. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually surprised you didn't Google like a picture or anything. I didn't want to. I was mm, I, Last time mm-hmm. um, she told me, she says, don't look up anything. I want you to just hear the story. Yeah. And this time I'm taking your advice and I am just <laughs> going with it. I feel like he's a fat, ugly piece of shit. Though. Oh my God. He is, is he? He's, yeah, it's haunting. Like I told you last night when I went to sleep and I, this house was dark, I was like, oh my God, John Wayne Gacy is behind me and I was terrified. Oh my and God. And I was like seeing things and like you start getting Mm-mm. paranoid he's yeah. fucking terrifying jesus well luckily he didn't <laughs> want your your gender he yeah want- apparently you know because he he was he was, he was gay as much would as would have been going after it. tom yeah <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so back to the story tom's gonna love that <laughs> a couple of young men uh even moved in with gacy gacy jr once his wife left they moved in and they were young guys that ended up working for him Oh, God. And he did try to sexually assault them as well. So, you know, obviously typical of him. Mm -hmm. He ended up murdering 33 young men (gasps) in all, all between the ages of 14 to 28. Some worked for him. Others he would pick up under false pretenses. Yeah. But as his murders progressed, he began to abduct. 29 of them were buried under his house, mostly in the crawl space. He confessed to throwing bodies into uh, River, south of Chicago as well. His main killing spree happened between 1976 and 78, but his first victim, Timothy McCoy, was killed by Gacy Jr. in January 1972. So that was the year he got married, right? Didn't mm-hmm. they get married in 1972? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, he was he was active for, for a long time. Wow. Nobody knew. Well, even when I was reading, I was like, holy shit. I wonder how many, did they find any crazy. bodies in Iowa? Well, that's another thing. Like, you did know, they, they have look? They have found, like bodies that they're like they might be connected to the gacy uh, case but they they can't really like 100 percent say mm-hmm. mm. so his main killing spree like i said happened between 1976 and 78 mm-hmm. and his first victim timothy mccoy it happened in january 1972 72 he would uh, sexually assault the victims play tricks which would lead to handcuffing them 
strangling, drowning, and then <gasps> reviving them. What? Yeah, burning with cigars uh, and uh, sitting on his victim's chest, humiliating the victims by making them imitate like like they were horses, and oh then he would sit on them God. and ride them. And uh, other terrible, sickening things that you know that I won't get into details because it's like it's very graphic, yeah. um, especially because they were like so young. Right. And they were, and his oh whole thing was like, God. you know, that they were like prostitutes. They were gay prostitutes, and he had this whole thing against gay people and gay men. And it's like a lot of them were like young boys that were just working, trusted, like you. yeah, and they they as a there leader. Was, like, so what? They were gay, right. but like most of them were probably like just straight boys just that trying you... to get a dollar. Yeah, know? right. It was bullshit. Mm-mm. So anyways, unfortunately, this seemed to go on for so long because even though some of the young men were reported as missing, the cops would always assume and tell the families that they were probably runaways. Wow. One victim, Robert Donnelly, who was 19, uh, from December 1977, actually survived and was able to testify at Gacy's Jr.'s trial. He stated he was in so much pain, he pleaded with Gacy Jr. to kill him, which, of course, Gacy Jr. just responded, I'm getting round to it. Oh. Yeah. He tortured the young man for a while, but he actually ended up driving Donnelly to his workplace and letting him go. He was so cocky with all he was doing that he straight up told him that he tried. if he tried to go to the cops, the cops would they're not going to believe you. They enabled that. Yeah. They oh, they enabled yeah. that absolutely that behavior, and he yeah. probably didn't kill him because the kid asked for it. Mm-hmm. It was a control thing. By you mm-hmm. telling me that you want to die, mm-hmm. I now no longer want to do it. Yeah, I'm you not what? giving you what you want. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, it, it, he leaves him with that pain and trauma right. for sure. Donnelly did report the assault, and Gacy Jr. was questioned, but he was so good at being manipulative that he convinced the cops that it was all consensual and that he never paid any Dude. money, so no charges were filed. Are Again. you fucking kidding mm-hmm. me? Yeah, he was just he was that good. <sighs> His last victim was Robert uh, Piast, who was 15. He was working oh. in a pharmacy at the time. Casey Jr. lured him to his house, pretending to offer him a job and wanting to talk. He had a com- he had communicated to his mother, Robert did, that he was going to meet with a contractor about a job. His family filed a missing person report when Robert didn't show up back home because he was supposed to. I guess it was his mother's birthday that day, and they were gonna like have a cake for her. So he was like, "I'm gonna be there, but like, you know, I'm gonna go talk to this guy first because I might be able to get a job." Like right. teenage boy, who? Yeah. How is he gonna think that anything's gonna happen to him? Right. With especially with. With another man another back man then. Yeah. Back then, yeah. The investigation, you know, uh, led to Gacy, of course. They found out he had previ- a previous criminal record involving young men. He denied any involvement with P- uh, Piast uh, that he had even offered, that he hadn't even offered him a job. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He was just so fucking, he's such a fucking liar. A narcissist. Mm-hmm. The cops were suspicious and worried that he had Pius hostage in the house. They were able to get a search warrant, which ended up revealing a bunch of suspicious material in the house, of course, such as police badges, handcuffs, weird books, such as uh, Pretty Boys Must Die, two by fours with holes drilled into each end, a pistol, bottles of sedatives, underwear that was too small to fit him and even a class ring and oh my god that i don't know why that part the one with the underwear too small to fit him just breaks my heart because it's like yeah you you know you you i have i have a teenage brother right and it's like when i hug 
my teenage brother he's so little i could put my hands around him and it's yeah. like the best hugs in the world and it's like these fragile young little boys boys and they're right. just they're so not i mean nobody's ready for that but i can't imagine the trauma for a young boy just just trying to like get money to hey i want to buy a car a or, man. or buy like a you know a cd player or something back then what did they have back then in the 70s like what what was the music pl- that was uh in the cars you know what like that was eight track yeah there was like you know say trying to buy an eight track yeah. or something you know yeah. it's bullshit they couldn't take him in of course and let's see yeah they couldn't take him in because of just the items they found so they started surveilling him 24 hours a day while they continued investigating the his background he was so cocky that he wouldn't get caught he even invited the detectives out for a meal where he would try to sweet talk them and talk about his life his business his weird clown bullshit hobbies apparently he even told them at one point you know clowns can get away with murder what (laughs) that's such shit to me what a sick piece of shit he was so scummy anyways (laughs) he did start getting really stressed out though from all the surveillance trying to file a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar civil suit against the the plane police (laughs) he would let the detectives into his house and they would start noticing funny smells the smell of decomposition in his house but they were like you know, the first time they went in there, they didn't really notice it because it was, I guess, too cold. But they started smelling it with the heat because, you know, like, it, it gets cold. So I, this is in the winter time, I think. Right. He did start slowly to break down because <laughs> there's so much surveillance going on. Right. Like, you know. He's like, fuck, I can't rape anybody. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, that's probably that's... too. He's like, he couldn't really kill anybody. Right. Um, I'm so glad that that, that boy told his mom. I'm so glad. You know, because if it wouldn't have been for him, he would have just been another runaway. And his family stuck to it. And they were like, my son's not a fucking runaway, you know? Like, you're not going to give me that kind of shit. And um, anyways, so yeah. So he started slowly to break down as the days went on. And he ended up getting super drunk and confessing to his lawyer that he killed approximately 30 people. Oh, God. Yeah, he, he went right to it. He knew that his arrest was inevitable at this point. He ended up confessing that he killed 30 people, give or take, to his friend as well. So he left, like, he was with his lawyer. He got, he was super shitty drunk. He confessed to him. His lawyer was trying to, like, talk to him the next day. And he just, like, left there. And he just went and confessed to a friend as well. He knew his days were counted. Right. But no matter what, his uh, pharmacy story, it was just not adding up with uh, uh, other witness testimony. And the investigators were able to get a second search warrant after gathering more evidence against him. Uh, the warrant was issued at around 4.30 on December 21st, 1978, and they immediately started to try and get down in the crawl space to search. Evidence, techs, uh, evidence tech Daniel Genty went down first, and he quickly started discovering uh, putrefied flesh and a human arm bone. Oh, God. Yeah. He shouted up to the investigators that they could charge Gacy with murder now, quoting, I think this place is full of kids. Talk about the grimmest God freaking damn. quote ever. That shit is grim. God. I had to read it so many times because it just sounds so fake. Oh. It sounds so fake to hear that out loud. The investigation and the digging started, they started discovering leg bones, uh, patellas, which is like a small bones located in the front of the knee joints, skulls, feet, and rib cages, among other things. December 22nd, he confessed to murdering 30 young men. 
He still claimed that none of them entered his home by force and that they were all either runaways or prostitutes, which I don't understand Please. why that's okay. Like, it's like, either ah, way, just run away. Who gives a shit? Yeah, I just, you Fuck know, out of here. sodomized and murdered them and put them in my crawl space. Yeah. It's not a big deal. No, of course not. So he finally did confess that he killed Robert uh, Pius as well. They also continued excavating the crawl space with his help as he provided them with a rough diagram of his basement as guidance. They unearthed 26 bodies at first, then discovered more, bringing the number to 29. They also discovered more of his victims' bodies in the De Plain River. His trial began on February 6, 1980. The year prior to his trial, he underwent psychological tests, and he claimed to have a have four personalities. Quoted, I'm going to quote this just uh, out of Wikipedia, the hardworking and civic-minded contractor, the clown, the active politician and the policeman called Jack Hanley, which he referred to as a as bad Jack. So when Gacy had confessed to police, he claimed to be relaying the crimes of Jack, who detested homosexuality and who viewed male prostitutes as weak, stupid, and degraded scum. And uh, let's see here. His lawyer wanted Gacy Jr. to plead guilty by reason of insanity. It's like, fuck out of here. You know what's kind of funny about that statement, though? And and granted, maybe he did have four personalities. Maybe he did. You know, especially with trauma, typically people that have multiple personalities, based on my degree in psychology that I have, mm-hmm. they have experienced, like, the worst trauma. Like, they are people who were traumatized from birth um, and just never really got a break. But... That statement doesn't really make sense because you were luring people in each of these roles. So you're blaming it on one personality named Jack, but each of your personalities killed people mm-hmm. because so did so did um, the contractor did, mm-hmm. the civic politician did, the fucking fried chicken manager. You all yeah. of them did it. So to yeah. blame it on a split, maybe you do yeah. have split personality. Yeah. But is that a reason for you to kill people? No. And the clown, too. He would actually sometimes dress up as the clown when he was doing all this shitty behavior. So, Right. So, so that just, yeah. that's not, so maybe you did have four personalities, but that doesn't. They were just not guilty. <laughs> right. That's not the reason yeah. that you killed. You killed because you're a killer. Mm-hmm. And those just kind of came along with it. And whatever mm-hmm. one you were in that day didn't cause you to kill them. It's mm-hmm. just that's the one that showed up that day. Ugh. You know? (laughs) Oh, he freaks me the fuck out. I know. (laughs) So, anyways, three psychiatrists on the defense's side did find him to be a paranoid schizophrenic with multiple personalities. However, the prosecutor's side believed Gacy Jr. was sane and well aware of his actions. They presented witnesses able to testify Gacy Jr.'s premeditation of his actions and how he planned to escape any detection, which is true. He's very smooth. None of his behavior led to paranoid schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. He would have never went out to the the dinner with the detectives. He would have never oh, yeah, made yeah. those kind of comments if mm-hmm. he was a paranoid mm-hmm. schizophrenic. So that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. They, I mean, the defense is going to do everything they yeah, can to, to see what, what kind of deal they can get him. It's always like, oh, it's My neighbor insanity. was a paranoid schizophrenic. 
So, so you know. You he have used experience. to sit outside of our building and bark at us and throw rocks. Anyone Goodness. that walked by, like, he was like a gargoyle that would sit on the... Yeah, yeah. Like, and he would just... He guarded the building. Yeah, and threw rocks at anyone and barked at anyone Did that walked by. Did he know you? I mean, no. He no. was here, but he wasn't here. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? So yeah. he, he, he saw me coming by his building every day, and I got rocks thrown at me. Oh, no. <laughs> was it little rocks or big rocks? Uh, I mean... He hit you. They were rocks, yeah, yeah, but I knew he was nuts, so I just kind of let it go and walked on the other side of the street. Wow. That's awful. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. On March 19, uh, March 12, 1980, the jury found him guilty of 33 charges of murder, guilty Mm. of sexual assault, and taking indecent liberties with a child. Good. The two latter charges were based on Robert Pius. He was sentenced to death for each murder committed. His execution was supposed to be June 2nd, 1980. He was on death row for 14 years because just they sit there forever. Right. Plus, he kept his bullshit up in prison trying to get appeals and motions for his sentence. He also retracted his confession that he had murdered that many young men, tried to get a new trial. He kept appealing his execution, but the U.S. Supreme Court, finally, they denied his final appeal in 1993 and set his official execution date as May 10th, 1994. But he was executed a day a day before so instead of may 10th it was may 9th 1994 by lethal injection his last meal was a bucket of kfc of course <laughs> he's still very loyal he's still loyal to the kfc a dozen fried shrimp french fries fresh strawberries and a diet coke he never expressed any remorse for his crimes supposedly his last words were kiss my ass his body was cremated and his brain was removed and is under under possession of Helen Morrison, who is an American forensic psychiatrist, writer, and profiler. Hmm. She was part of Gacy's trial as a witness for the defense. Hmm. A couple of speculations were also that he may, he may have had accomplices because it was a lot of bodies. Um, some things just, he wasn't in the, like, I guess he was out of state or something or he was working other jobs while some of these murders happened. Um... And that he might have also been part of a trafficking ring. Which, with the fact that he was all about joining clubs, Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound surprising at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, last but not least, we just talk about, you know, 28 victims were identified, but five of them are still unidentified. The house was demolished as well. His most recent victim to be identified is Francis Wayne Alexander in October 2021. Wow. Yeah. His body was located December of 1978. So it's been 43 years later. And from DNA, the, the changes in, um, yeah. you know, the... All the, the oh, yeah, yeah. All the, the new... The science that mm-hmm. they can use and things mm-hmm. like that. That's nuts. Yeah. So that's the story of John Wayne Gacy and the 33 innocent people that he decided that, you know, it was his choice how, right. how they went. So right. it's pretty terrible. You know what? I was thinking, you know, throughout while you were telling this story, I was thinking, I was like, I almost wonder if his father sexually abused him. And that's why he was so nasty, because maybe his father, because you you think about it, his dad was very homophobic and would call Mm -hmm. his son a queer and a fairy and a mama's boy and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And then... Junior passed on that same hate, you know. Yeah, I almost wonder if the father was a closet um, 
you know, homosexual and abused. Maybe he was making his child do that to him. And you never know. It's, it's, I could see it. I don't know. I, I didn't think about it. I mean, it's a possibility. I don't. I just don't know with with Gacy because he was so he did grow up, you know, in such a violent environment. Yes. But like things that like your parents might hate stick with you as well. So the fact that his father hated all these womanly things about him, it was like a part of himself that he hated so much that he had some kind of vengeance against, you know, whatever he decided was going to be his victim with yeah. which unfortunately was young men and he was like disgusted by the fact that he was gay mm-hmm. and he could he probably had his father's voice in his head you know just berating him all the time wow. even though he was dead you know because that that's a constant thing with with the with abuse it's yeah it is it's funny because my uh my boyfriend and i were having a conversation the other day about how verbal abuse is worse than physical Oh, yeah. Because after the bruises heal, you still have that, I'm this, I'm that. And he's mm-hmm. and he's like, no way. He's like, mm-hmm. physical's definitely worse. And he's like, if I called you an asshole every day, would that bother you? I'm like, no, because you'd be right, because I am an asshole. <laughs> and he's like, right, so if I punch you, it'll be worse. And I'm like, no, because I can leave you, and I won't get hit anymore. Mm-hmm. But I'm still going to feel like mm-hmm. I am an asshole. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like even when that physical is abuse is gone, that verbal that gets ingrained. It so does. you know, and that verbal abuse, he you're right. He probably heard that voice mm-hmm. in his head. Everything you know he did. You know, God forbid he catches himself with his pinky up while he's drinking a glass. He's probably hears his dad. You're a fucking yeah. queer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Disgusted with himself. Right. Like it's crazy oh. how that sticks with you. And it's, yeah, it's legit. It really is verbal abuse. Any kind of abuse is terrible, but definitely when it comes to mental mental abuse, especially by a by a father figure. Someone oh you love. God. A yeah. valued opinion. He always loved them. He right. no matter what, he he loved them, which is it it shows you that he was competent when it came to, to yeah. life. Because it's like it's my father. He right. was abusive to me, but I still want to go still, to his funeral. Yeah, I still right. want to be there for him. Like that doesn't sound to me like mm-hmm. like a schizophrenic or anything. Oh no, 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 no. 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 It's <laughs> there's too much there's too much com like not common sense, but like there's too much sense there right. for him to he knew what he was doing. Right. He knew it. A hundred percent. No yeah. doubt. I have no doubt. I looked at his picture now that you've told your story. Mm-hmm. And um, he's so fucking ugly, right? <laughs> he is so fucking ugly. I want to uppercut him yeah. and I want to punch him in his fucking double oh, chin. Oh my God. I believe when he was in prison too, like he became like a born again Christian. Oh, and please. he was like doing paintings and stuff. I think people like buy them and stuff. Which is crazy. I would never buy a serial killer's paintings or anything. I think right. you could see them circulating around the internet. It's like, fuck that. That thing is wow. haunted. Look at this guy. Yeah. I'm so upset. He, You know, you ever seen somebody that has a punchable face? Like He's you got a see them. Face. Yeah, right. And and even without knowing him, I look at him and I'm like, I want to punch him in the face. You know, I, I feel like I'm really good with my, like, the feeling in my gut like he's one of those people that if i didn't know who he was or anything you would know something was off yeah 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 i feel it like i i i know a couple of people like that yeah and i'm like mm, yeah me too something about you ain't right right and i don't want to know what it is they wait yep. for me <laughs> yep yep so, yeah 
Mm-mm. Yeah, he has a punchable face. Well, that's John Wayne Gacy. Oh, my God. And whoever didn't know <sighs> about John Wayne Gacy, I'm sorry you had to learn about him today. Um, but it's mostly just to, you know, remember all his victims. Um, I didn't go into, the, like I said, the graphic details or anything. But we're going to post pictures and... You know, you can see who these young men were. They didn't deserve what happened to them at all. Right. And remember, parents, moms, dad, sexual abuse does not just happen to girls. It's such a common misconception that only girls are abused. Only girls are trafficked. Mm-hmm. Boys get abused, too. I've, oh, yeah. You know, I've, I've worked with boys who have been trafficked up and down the East Coast, you Jesus. know, in the field that I work in. Boys get abused. Watch your sons because it mm-hmm. can happen. And they... Mm-hmm likely won't tell you because of the man box so wow glad we were able to bring uh, awareness to this today definitely a topic that is not talked about enough no so moving forward we are now going to see what raquel has to offer us in this super jolly episode (laughs) super jolly just how we like it Mm -hmm. um I think our stories, we try and bring awareness to certain things, too, when we tie things in. So, obviously, you know, last episode, well, this episode, last story, we talked about, um, you know, bringing awareness to sexual assault and how it's not just something that's tailored towards girls. Mm -hmm. Um, Today, I'm actually going to be discussing the murder of Alexandria Klaus Desmond. Um, And she was a ward of the state of Connecticut. Um, She was in Cedar Crest Psychiatric Hospital, which is located in Newington, right behind the Burlington, uh, the Berlin Turnpike. Actually closed now. Super creepy psychiatric hospital. There's actually two hospitals that are like within 100 feet of each other. One is an old tuberculosis hospital. Yikes. Okay, so are they known for being haunted? They are, so we might have to check that out. And <laughs> Ooh la la. I know we want to talk about paranormal yeah. too, so maybe we can make kind of like a spinoff to the paranormal aspect. Yeah, especially after Gacy, I'm definitely feeling the next topic for me is going to be a, a spooky one. Like yeah. Something, something a little less true yeah, 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 same. Okay, so we're going to be discussing um, Alexandra Klaus Desmond. Um, she was murdered on April 26th not too long after she turned 18. So she was just a baby. What year was that? Um, This was in 2009. Oh, shit. That was like really recent. Uh, I believe um, 2009. So correction, it wasn't 2009. It was 2007. I knew it was around the time that I was in high school. That's still like really soon. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Really, really Not close. too, too long ago. No, because um, I still feel like it's 2000 half the time. Right. It's like, oh, no, it's 2021. I know. Isn't that <laughs> crazy how yeah. I, I was I was very young. And this was actually a friend of my sister's. She was under the care of D- DCF and DEMAS, okay. which is Department of Children and Families mm-hmm. and Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. She had ran away from Cedar Crest Hospital, which is that hospital that we talked about. Oh, wow. It was a psychiatric hospital. Mm -hmm. So when she ran away, Mm -hmm. she ended up at 212 Laurel Street. So she ran away from Cedar Crest Hospital, which was in, in, on the Burlington Turnpike, kind of near the, uh, what do you call that? Humane Society, the Humane Society. So like the Newington border as well. Okay. So, you know, Newington is not too far from Hartford. So she ended up on 212 Laurel Street in Hartford. Yeah. That's where one of the murderers lived. 
She ran away with some other people from Cedar Crest Hospital Mm -hmm. and ended up, like I said, at Laurel Street. She knew the people at this apartment from her time in treatment. So her time in DCF, her time in, you know, uh, the psychiatric Mm -hmm. hospital. She had ran away with one other person from the psychiatric, psychiatric hospital and ended up at this apartment. Okay. Interestingly enough, the apartment was leased by the Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services as part of a state-supported independent living program for its clients. So this was supposed to be a transition home out of treatment into society. Okay. Where the individual would live, you know, learn basic life skills, learn to be independent. It was supposed to be something to transition them into society. Right, right. It, It didn't mention whether it was monitored by... Um, what do you call them? Like monitors or not? Like I know in a lot of, uh, transitional homes, there's, you know, uh, office in the basement that typically has staff. You have to sign in, you have to sign out, they administer your medication, that kind of thing. Not sure if it was that kind of setup. It didn't really say too much. Mm -hmm. Um, but this was a state supported, well, state leased apartment that this occurred in, that this murder occurred in. Okay. So when they ran away, there ended up being four people in, in this apartment. Uh, there was Alexandria. There was Leslie Caraballo. Uh, Leslie was, uh, I believe, 18. She was 18. 19. There was Darzell Weinstein and Tiara Dixon. So okay. Leslie, Tiara, Darzell, and I'm sorry, there was five people. Alexandria and Michael. Okay, and they're all teenagers? And they're all 18, 19, uh, mm-hmm. young, mm-hmm. young, young people. Yeah. Pretty much what happened was there was some kind of fight about, I guess, one of the boyfriends, um, Michael Davis. So Leslie and Michael Davis were together. Okay. And there was an argument during a Monopoly game. So these people escaped from a psychiatric hospital, decided to go to this apartment and play Monopoly. Hey. Well, okay. It works. All right. Um, it there was like was, a calming mechanism or right? something. Right. <laughs> hey, you know. Some normalcy. I mean, yeah. I mean, at least that that's what they were doing yeah. at the time. Leslie Caraballo became jealous because she thought Michael Davis, who was her boyfriend, like I said, was paying too much attention to Alexandria, who was the girl that was murdered. There were also other reports that they said that Alexandria had said that Michael Davis raped her. There were a few conflicting reports. Okay. Not too sure what happened, but there was an argument stemming from something with Michael Leslie, and the victim, Mm -hmm. Alexandria. A fight ensued. The police said that Michael Dixon and Leslie Caraballo kicked and beat up and assaulted Alexandria. Uh, They held her down. So the two girls held her down. Tiara and Leslie Caraballo pinned Alexandria down. And now, if you were to see a picture of this girl, Mm -hmm. very tiny. Very petite, a hundred pounds wet. Very petite girl. She was held down, pinned down, and assaulted. Weinstein, Darzell Weinstein, and Michael Davis, the two males in the situation, pulled a plastic bag over her head and suffocated her. Oh my gosh. Her cause of death was asphyxiation. So she was was suffocated. She was 
Michael Davis tried to choke the life out of the teenager. When she did not die, Weinstein, Darzell Weinstein, jumped on her chest. Jumped on her chest? Jumped on her chest. How do people go, oh, this is, you know, like you you hear of serial killers doing this shit by themselves. You got a group of people being this nasty, this awful, barbaric. They were mentally ill. That's the problem. That's the problem. They were mentally ill. They clearly, they went from a Monopoly game to a murder. Wow. You know, in a matter of seconds. That escalated very quickly. And and didn't, the, the way that they brutalized her was not even as if she was a human. They jumped on her chest. That's rough. That's, you know, I couldn't imagine. My dog jumps on my chest sometimes. And you're and like, it's like, dude. I'm dying. <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, that hurts right. so bad. I can't right. imagine the pain this girl so went through. So petite. Very Jesus. small. Very, very small girl. And so they jumped on her chest. They ended up murdering her. They poured bleach and detergent on her and sodomized her to make it look like a sexual assault. Ugh. Then they stuffed her body. This is, this is what tells you how petite she was. Okay. They stuffed her body into a microwave box. Holy shit. That's how small she was. A microwave box. She fit into a microwave box. That's disturbing. That is how small she was. And they jumped on this girl's chest. And Mm -hmm. two people pinned this girl down Mm -hmm. while two males assaulted her, jumped on her chest, strangled her, had a bag over her head. Imagine the fear. Wow. Wow. And now, you said they all knew each other from the hospital? Yes. Well, so they had all been in care. So in the DCF system, a lot of the kids end up knowing each other, especially if they're in residential placement, because they're living in compounds. Like there can be a unit with 20 kids Mm -hmm. and they're all going to know each other. They sometimes go to classrooms together because usually the schools are on campus. They don't typically go to public schools. So they all knew each other in some way, shape or form. Okay, so, like, is there any background on her childhood that you could find at all? So there's minimal information. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, she was depressed. She suffered with depression. She did do some self-harming. She would cut and self-mutilate, things like that. There was some pretty extensive information on the uh, perpetrators, so the people who did the assault. Okay, okay. Tiara Dixon was a foster child. Okay. who was in and out of the system. She was taken from her mother when she was about four or five and placed into foster care. She actually, the state child's advocate, mm-hmm. actually said that she was one of the most difficult children she's ever worked with in the state of Connecticut. Holy crap. So Tiara was a problem mm-hmm. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Interestingly wow. enough... A couple weeks before the murder, she was discharged from a residential placement, which is mm-hmm. a locked, it's a locked facility in East Windsor, mm. like a compound, like I said, where a bunch of children live. Mm-hmm. They're under constant supervision. There are locked doors. There's unit checks. Uh, there's no leaving. She had just been discharged a few weeks prior. And right before she was discharged, she told staff that she was concerned about her temper and she feels like oh, she might hurt fuck. someone. And they still her discharged out. her. They let her out. They yeah, still that's what let I'm her talking out. about. Mm-hmm. You know, and because also with care caretakers and they're also just everybody's so understaffed and so stressed out. Like it's like, oh, we're getting rid of somebody. Great, you know, because there's more people coming in, and it's it's something that nobody just understands that things can be avoided. 
Like, right. it's always something that people take action after it's too late. Right. It's awful. It always takes something to happen. And I and I feel like with the DCF, the, the policy that went along with that, she should have never been released, number one. I don't care how many placements you need, yeah. how many kids need a placement right now. Yeah. She was already in that placement, and she made it clear right, right. that she wasn't ready, and somebody should have listened to that. Jesus. Yeah. Also, DCF was founded in nineteen in the 1970s. I think it was like 1974. Okay. So early 90s was when Tiara was put in there. She was put wow. in there at a shitty time when it yeah, was... Yeah, still developing. You, still developing. And by 2007, it wasn't even 30 years old yet. Holy shit. I didn't know it was that young. And, so, and that, Yeah, that makes sense. Wow. Social welfare. So uh, child welfare, that was the business of the church back in the days. So before mm. DCF became a thing and mm-hmm. before the child protection laws came into place, okay. churches were responsible for child welfare. Okay. Which made it really hard for consistency and tracking and, you know, oh, yeah, issues. Absolutely. So yeah. they formed, you know, a federal bill passed and DCF became a thing and um it it just it was a really bad time because they were figuring it out. Yeah. And they still are. Yeah. So, yeah. so Tiara was a very violent child, was one of the most difficult child that this woman said she'd ever worked with, mm-hmm. Darzell, who is Tiara's boyfriend. And, and, and I just want to say, just for the record, Tiara, I know we mentioned punchable faces. I'm going to show you her face later. <laughs> she has a punchable face. Oh my God. I want to punch her in the fucking face. Really? She does. Yeah. Uh, we're going to look her up after. Yeah. And we're going to post her picture when we get our social media yeah. up and running. Mm-hmm. Very punchable. <laughs> Darzell Weinstein, who was Tiara's boyfriend, also had anger issues and problems. He was a former Cedar Crest patient. He was one of the people that ran away with Alexandria. Oh, okay. All right. So he ran away with her. So they mm-hmm. ran away together on April 22nd with several others. Wow. All right. One of who right. was my sister. Oh, wow. My okay. sister wasn't there that night. Yeah. Thank God. Wow. My sister was not there. Holy um crap. That's like really personal. Close to home. Yes. Whoa. And that's why I decided to do this case because my sister till this day is traumatized by that. And yeah. see, as an adult, and she's... Mind you, she's doing wonderful. She's a mm-hmm. paramedic, is a mother, is married, is just doing wonderful for herself. But she had suffered good, with some good. depression. And, yeah. you know, the system back then was a little bit different. So they still had psychiatric hospitals for depression, which is so crazy. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so one of the people that ran away was my sister. And she ended up elsewhere. She never went to that house. She good. went with another friend. But thank God she yeah. didn't because... Holy shit, that's... Oh my God. Right. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> oh, that's like yeah. chills. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. So they ran away April 22nd. Mm-hmm. And Leslie, same thing. Uh, Leslie Caraballo, which was Michael Davis's girlfriend who had the apartment. That was her. No, Michael. it was Michael's apartment. And, and she was the girlfriend of Michael. Leslie was a foster child. She was born in Niantic Women's Prison. So her mother was pregnant and she was born in Niantic Niantic Prison. Her mother was born in Niantic Prison. Whoa, that's crazy. And Leslie was pregnant and gave birth to her child in October. Uh A few months after the murder, gave Uh birth to her child in Niantic Prison. So four generations were born in prison. Whoa. How does that Extensive trauma. Extensive trauma. Jeez. Again, just victims of the system that have not gotten the right. help that they need. That's, yeah, they're all victims. Victims. And wow. yeah. And it's sad to think of it because I, I, 
I I don't care that what they did was terrible. Mm-hmm. But they were victims of the system. Yeah. At the end of the day, they did not get the care that they needed or Shit. the support that they needed. In a no, in a state like no. Connecticut, like mm-hmm. come on, mm-hmm. come on, you know this is not yeah. West Virginia. I'm sure we could have a whole topic on That's that. That's another <laughs> uh, a, another oh, conversation. Wow. So pretty much back to the story. An argument ensued. And, you know, while they were playing Monopoly, it's just crazy. They beat her up, choked her, put a bag over her head, sodomized her, stomped her body into a microwave box. Jesus. Poured bleach and detergent on her and put her in the closet. Put the box in the closet. Oh, yeah. Just get what? what, Go and get burgers afterwards? Right. Who gives a shit, right? Right. Fuck. Right. So there was actually a phone call that was made mm-hmm. and the cops responded to the, it was a, it was a noise complaint. The cops responded to this noise complaint slash possible fight complaint. The police did a walkthrough. Apparently they didn't check the closet because her body at that time of the walkthrough was in the closet. Yeah. Yeah. Of course they didn't check the closet. Right. So they wrapped her body in Walmart bags, garbage bags and sheets and then stomped her into the box and stuffed her in the closet that's so haunting so janine m milstein who is the state child's advocate after the case so obviously they all ended up getting arrested two of them fled they ended up finding them in massachusetts ultimately they were all arrested janine m milstein who is the state who was the state's child advocate at the time said that after an initial review of the case so she reviewed the details reviewed their dcf records reviewed their discharge there's always a discharge plan whenever somebody's discharged from a situation like that reviewed Mm -hmm. their discharge plans case notes things like that and she was very very concerned about the lack of transition planning at dcf when it came to these teens Mm -hmm. So she did an in-depth look, like what happened for them to even get to this point? And she was very concerned about the lack of transition. Yeah. When the teens, she said that when the teens uh, became adults, the quality of mental health care they received after the problems were identified was practically non-existent. So you just took these kids out of placements where they were receiving intensive therapy, going to groups, Mm -hmm. and you just threw them into the real world with no real supports. Holy shit. That's a problem. Yeah. You know, that's a problem. It's like like they're no longer their problem, right? Right. No, that is how it is. Yeah. That is 100% how it is. That's why a lot of, and and just to kind of talk about what we were talking about later, like Mm -hmm. trafficking, things like that, Mm -hmm. a lot of the victims are trafficking are children who are released from DCF custody. Oh, yeah, because it makes sense because they don't know. They're left high and dry. They don't, they don't have any guidance. They don't have a support system. Yeah. They, a lot of times they don't have a place to sleep. So right. maybe they're sleeping with people for a place to stay. Right. They don't have money. Easy gigs. Right? And they're yeah. vulnerable. That yeah. Traffickers don't prey on people who are, right. you know, He's gonna, established. Who, who's going to look for them right. if they have nobody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there was no planning. So ultimately, they were all charged respectfully, mm-hmm. <laughs> rightfully. Yeah. Darzell Weinstein who was 19, and Michael Davis, at the time, was 22, were sentenced to 18 years in prison. They're both still in prison. I actually did some digging, Mm -hmm. and Darzell Weinstein actually has an upcoming court date on... Oh, he just had a court date. My apologies. Mm -hmm. He just had a court date on 
August 18th of 2021 for assault of a Department of Corrections employee. Oh, shit. So whenever you assault a correctional officer in prison, it's an outside charge and you have to be seen by court again. Mm -hmm. So it's still a pending case. I honestly am thinking that he's probably, there's no way he's been in jail that long and not assaulted anyone. He, they said it. He is a very violent guy. Mm -hmm. If you see the pictures, you're going to, we're going to post them later. Mm -hmm. You can see the crazy in his eyes. You know when you meet somebody and you can tell, like, mm-hmm, this motherfucker mm-hmm. is off their rocker. Yeah, you can always he, see it in the eyes. Yeah, <laughs> he is off his rocker. Like, mm. there is no doubt. Okay. So my, I was thinking, like, maybe they outside charge. They don't always outside charge mm-hmm. if you assault a correctional officer. My thing is they know that his release date is coming up. Mm-hmm. And they want to keep him in there. Yeah, absolutely. Because they know that he is no good to society. Yeah. At all. That, that, again, he's been institutionalized yeah. his whole life. Of course. Again, the same, same scenario again. If you, oh my God, why, why you know, it's a danger, you know, he's a danger right. and he's, if he's released, what's going to happen? There's so much red tape though, that you can't keep yeah. them in there because of something they right. did when they were, but you just know right. that he is not going to be a benefit to society. Right. You can't rehabilitate if you're not rehabilitating people. Mm-hmm. Jail is not rehabilitation. Absolutely That is not. the point of prison. They say we rehabilitate people. No, no. you scare people into submission. Yeah. And there's some like him that just don't submit because they're used to being institutionalized. Right. So when you let him out, he is going to be like a dog that has been trapped in a cage his whole fucking life and finally got out. That's terrible. That's terrible. And Scary. I- I, I just feel bad because some people just, it feels like they had no chance. Destiny. From day one, his life was set for him because of the generally, uh, you know, um, the, the, the general, Jesus, what word am I trying to say? Generational. Mm. There we go. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Generational trauma. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it was generations of trauma for two out of these four kids mm-hmm. that we know of. Mm-hmm. There wasn't much research on Michael Davis or Alexandra Desmond Klaus, the victim. Mm-hmm. But we know for a fact that Tiara Dixon, Darzell Weinstein, actually three. Tiara, Darzell, and Leslie, mm-hmm. they had generational yeah. trauma. Mm-hmm. And those kind of things carry with you. Yeah. They said that Darzell, by the time he was four, was already seeing a psychiatrist. Because he was, he was attacking people. Whoa. He was abusing people. He was not acting like the average four-year-old. So is that like a nature versus nurture thing? Like, is there a correlation with that? Or do you think it's just generational? Like, it, like his parents weren't there for I think him it's a mix or... of both. Yeah. I think it's a mix of both. Because there's certain things that are just within you no matter what. Like, I know for me, like, I remember the first time my son slammed the door. I'm like, holy shit, I haven't done that since I was like 10. Mm-hmm. Where did he learn how to do this? That's because mommy was a master door slammer. Mm. So some, I feel like certain things are within you. Like, okay. you know, I feel like certain things can be passed down. Yeah. And of course, his environment didn't help. Mm-hmm. You know, so I feel like it's a mix of both. Wow. And then Tiara. Tragic. Right, yeah. right. Exactly. They had a tragic beginning from the start. You know, yeah. Leslie, her mother, she was born in prison. Her mother mm-hmm. was born in prison and her grandmother was born in prison. That just tells you the kind of... Tra- Nobody ends yeah, up in jail. Yeah. You know, come on. No. 
a grown individual with no mental health concerns, unless they're falsely accused, does not end up in prison. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. You have some kind of trauma that made you do whatever it is that you did, react the way that you did mm-hmm. to end up where you are. Mm-hmm. So pretty much, you know, Tiara, obviously, what, like I said, that her situation could have been prevented. She was discharged when she really shouldn't have been. Yeah. Darzell Weinstein and Michael Davis, both, like I said, got 18 years in prison. They're still incarcerated. The women, Caraballo, Leslie Caraballo, and uh, Tiara Dixon, were sentenced to 12 years behind bars with only five years probation. My question is, why did the women get less time? Hmm. Why? They held her down. They were active participants. So maybe they didn't jump on her chest, but they watched. Right. I always, oh, that always pisses me off when it's like, okay, they were kind of just an accessory to the Please. murder or whatever the hell. They were there. They could have stopped it. And Please. a lot of the times it's hard to think about that until you're in that position. Yeah. But like, come on. No. That's from what crazy. I heard, CR can hold their weight. Oh my gosh. She knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. No, I, I don't agree with that sentencing. They should have just got as much time yeah. as the males. Yeah. yeah, the males did a lot of the dirty work, but they were all in that apartment actively participating in this murder mm-hmm. together. Well, as you said, like, you know, when it comes to mental illness, maybe they were, based on their their records, they were like, maybe they just need less time. And I mean, are, what's going to happen when they get out of there anyways? Are they getting institutionalized again? What's going on? Right. So I did, so like I said, I did do some digging. Um, Tiara, the one with the punchable face, actually just recently violated her probation. She oh. was arrested on... The 15th of December to 2021. So just a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. Right before that she was expected to get off probation. Mm. I'm hoping she stays on because mm-hmm. the way that the, the, the state was making it seem and she's not really stable either. You well, know? Yeah. No, it makes sense. I mean, you don't go from all of that to being like, oh, now I'm just going to get a nine to five and get a bank account right. and get a car and right. start a life. Right, <laughs> right. And so Leslie Caraballo actually, like I said, gave birth while she was in prison. So now this is another generation wow. that was born in the prison system. The grandmother, the mother, Leslie, and her child. Jesus, I've never heard of that. That is like... That's almost like a curse. Like, honey, you need some sage. Yeah. Like, drink a bottle of sage. Like, sage your fucking self. Because that that sounds like a curse. That sounds like a curse. Like a hex. That definitely does. Like, shall all your... The women in your family give birth in prison. Like, god damn. Holy shit, you could write a song about that. Right, like Tupac, you know, when he was... I was born in a prison. (laughs) Like, well, this lady, her mother, grandmother... All of them born in prison. And so pretty much with this story, like I said, it was a little bit personal. It's very sad because this story really and truly, Alexandria is the true victim. The the, the fear that this girl must have had while she was, you know, going through what she went through. I, I you know, I bet in her mind while it was all, she just, I should have never left. I, you know, I, I should have yeah. stayed where I was. You know, the regret that she must have felt or fear. I don't know what she was feeling. No. No. Um, but the, 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 the people who did the, the murder were also victims, mm-hmm, victims mm-hmm. of the system because they did not get the support they needed. Yeah. And they all, you know, Alexandria's mother, she has been very active about reform. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually 
when they were trying to do like a good time bill kind of thing in Connecticut so that people got released early. She wrote to the legislators and was like, absolutely not. Mm -hmm. You know, these people killed my daughter. Mm -hmm. I live with that every day of my life. It's been seven years now and I'm still, it still feels like yesterday that I found out the pain that this woman is, you know, Mm -hmm. going through. It's just, it's just sad because there was such a loss between the kids that did the murder and Alexandra. It's just, Alexandria had someone who cared for her. Mm -hmm. You know, sadly, these kids didn't get that opportunity. It's funny. T.R. Dixon's family, the biological family, showed up at her hearing and was like, we want to be here to support her. Where were you guys when she was in foster care? Mm -hmm. Where were you guys? Now you want to show your face? Yeah. Fucking bums. Right. (laughs) Fucking bums. Um, So that is the story of Alexandria Desmond Klaus. Rest in peace. Yeah. Um, it's been, you know, a while now. It's crazy to think. I remember when I got the phone call from my sister and she was just like in shock. Like that could have been me. And like that was a good friend of hers. You know, she has a tattoo. It says justice for Alexandria. Mm-hmm. And um, just a very sad story. And it kind of shows the loopholes that are in this, that were in the system then and are still in the system now. Plenty of loopholes. You look at, you know, the murder of Gabriel, mm-hmm. the little boy who was murdered by his own family. Oh my God, that one twists my stomach. I couldn't... Twist yeah. my stomach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I had to watch it for a senior project before I graduated. My degree, they forced us to watch that. And I was just like, dude, I can't watch this. It's sickening. I couldn't watch it. I'm like, this is... I'm... I was like... And there's so many other stories like that. Uh, so yeah, many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it doesn't so, yeah. stop. Our system is just doesn't very broken. Stop. Very broken. Yes. So that is a story. Light, yeah. you know, heavy, kind of heavy stories today. <laughs> kind of heavy episode, yeah. We're going to try and make it a little bit lighter next week. Mm-hmm. I know that these were very heavy stories, but like I said, we try and bring awareness to mm-hmm. certain issues that just aren't talked about enough and, and the root cause of some of these tragedies. So Yeah, absolutely. We hope you guys enjoyed Yes, please go and get some fresh air, take take a walk, uh, stretch your limbs out a little bit, have some water, stay hydrated out there. Eat some chocolate. And uh, be grateful, and I hope you're all blessed, and you know, we're, we're definitely, definitely feeling the blessings right now, um, and just keep, you know, all these people in your thoughts and their families and everything, so, all right, until next time. Yes. Bye-bye. Thank you.